You are now listening to One Hour School Wide, the official sports podcast of Pin Oak Middle School. All right, welcome into another episode of One Hour School Wide. This is your host, Mr. Mertz. We'll be talking about all things sports once again this week. Um, we got a great show coming up for you. Um, before we get to that, though, I would like to talk to you a little bit about uh, my thoughts on this past week and this upcoming week in sports. Um, we're going to start with uh, the Houston Dynamo, who played played on Saturday and on Wednesday. Today is Friday when I am recording this. Um, Saturday was a one nothing loss at uh, Inner Miami. Probably should have been a draw. Um, didn't play too bad. I don't. I don't feel. But on Wednesday, when we played, when the Dynamo played uh, Nashville, pretty lifeless performance out of uh, out of the Dynamo. They were down three uh, 0 I mean, way early in that game, about 20 to 25 minutes in that game, they were already down 3-0, and they end up losing that game 3-1 at home against an expansion team that, you know, they probably should have beat. Um, but anyways, uh, the Dynamo, I don't know. You know, they, they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde, kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on with the Dynamo right now where they'll play really well and look really good, and then... And then they'll turn in a performance like they did on Wednesday. Um, baseball this week, uh, the Astros had dug themselves a big hole being down 3 nothing to to the Tampa Bay Rays. But they have won the last two games, and they're going to play again tonight to try to force a Game 7. Um, had a walk-off home run last night to win the game. So um, I don't know. I still think it's going to be pretty tough for the Astros to advance. They still have to win the next two games, and the Rays are... The Rays maybe not be may not be the most experienced team in the ML, in MLB, but they they're pretty good. And um, on the other side, on the National League, um, Braves are up, I think three one maybe at this point. I think um, kind of like the Dodgers have been the best team all year, but they uh, the Braves have seemed to have their number in this series. So we'll see if the if the Dodgers can can get going with that. Um, yeah, moving on to, uh, college football, uh, last week was, it was, uh, it was a fun weekend for, for me personally, as an Oklahoma fan, it was a much different experience than what we had had the last couple of weeks. Um, we beat the university of Texas in a wild, a wild football game of 50, 53, 45 and four overtimes. Um, my thoughts from the game, I thought the, I thought Oklahoma played, obviously, I thought they played much better. Uh, the defense played played better. They had pressure on Sam Ellinger the whole, almost the whole game. Um, the, the secondary covered much better. They, uh, the coaches rotated some younger players into, into the lineup with like Woody Washington, who, who made an interception late in the fourth quarter. Um, other players that stepped up and made plays when they needed to. So I thought the defense played a lot better this game, even though the final score was 40, uh, even though the final score was 53 to 45. Uh, offensive side of the ball, a little bit up and down, I think, in that game. They had 
in that first half, Spencer Rattler played pretty well, except for three. Uh, he had two turnovers. He had an interception and a fumble. That was it was kind of a fumble slash interception type of thing. Um, got benched. I guess it looked like he was hurt initially, but I guess now it, the truth was that he was benched, and uh, Tanner Mordecai came in, and I played I think two or three series uh, for at quarterback. Uh, running back played pretty well. Uh, TJ Pledger ran for over 100 yards, and the OU offense had over 200 yards of rushing. First time they had uh, actually ran the ball really well this season, so that was that was very encouraging to see. Um, once again, though, in the first half, uh, Pledger fumbled the ball. We were driving. He had busted a big, I think it was 20 or something yard run, and then a guy came up behind him and knocked the ball loose, and he fumbled. Probably took at least three points off the board, probably seven points off the board there. So it's kind of an up and down first half for Oklahoma. Um, same thing for Texas, where that first half they were down 10 to nothing, and then at halftime it was 17-17. So it was kind of every quarter kind of brought something different in that game. Uh, the third quarter was definitely dominated by Oklahoma, where I think Texas only had the ball like twice, and they only had like 30 or something yards of offense in that third quarter, and Oklahoma had uh, two touchdowns. Um, and then going into that fourth quarter, felt like OU was in control in control of the game there, except for the last four minutes of the game. They were up by two touchdowns. It was uh, 31-17, and they had just intercepted it, a pass in the end zone, but Woody Washington had the ball and was trying to run some clock, and then uh, we... OU doesn't get a first down. They give the ball back to Sam Ellinger, and he goes down the field and scores, and there's a Texas onside kick that uh, goes out of bounds, luckily for OU. And um, and then OU tries to run it again, run out the clock again, a couple of run plays, and then a, a questionable pass play on third down um, that would have probably sold the game if it would have been completed, but it was the pass was a little behind Austin Stogner. Um, still a catchable ball, but um, that stopped the clock, gave Sam Ellinger and Texas more time, went down the field and scored, and then we go to overtime, which was which was just absolutely wild with teams trading scores. And then in the third overtime, uh, Texas gets a field goal blocked, and then OU misses the field goal to win. And then that fourth overtime, OU, um, Rattler throws an amazing pass, uh, steps up in the pocket and kind of zips one over the middle to Drake Stoops, Bob Stoops' son. Gets the touchdown, then throws a, another great pass um, to Theo Weiss for the two-point conversion. Texas gets uh, backed up on a holding call and uh, throws an interception to Trey Brown in the end zone, and that ends the game. So, very wild game. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was good football by either team. I don't think either one of these teams is really a, a real competitor for for a, for a, a playoff spot, especially now with uh, Texas having two losses. Um, and they both need a lot of help if they're from other teams to get into the Big 12 championship game. Um, I still think they're probably maybe the two best teams as far as like talent goes. Um, but, you know, they both have two losses and there's not that many games left in the season because of the shortened season. So they're going to need a lot of help if either one of them is going to get into the Big 12 championship game. Um, but, uh, I was, I was excited as an OU fan. Um, 
I was also kind of frustrated with what OU put me through. I felt like we were in control of that game there late in the fourth quarter and kind of uh, did what we've been doing the last two games before and kind of just collapse on ourselves and uh, defense and offensively. Defense can't get a stop. Offense can't pick up a first down and keep the clock rolling. And we almost gave away another lead late in that fourth quarter. Um, but pretty big win, especially for given how this year was going with OU. I mean, that would have been our third loss in a row, which just hardly, it hasn't happened at OU in a long time, losing three in a row, losing two in a row hasn't happened in a long time until the last couple of games. So kind of a, you know, maybe a season defining win by OU. I was really encouraged by what I saw on both sides of the ball. Honestly, I thought the defense played much better, much more aggressive. They tackled better. And offensively, Spencer Rattler, um, you know, he got benched in that first half and then came out in the second half and, and didn't try to do too much, just ran the offense and looked looked really well and looked like he grew up a lot. So um, as far as Texas goes, I think, you know, I don't know what happens with them the rest of the season. I think that has to be a little bit of a demoralizing loss. They had a lot of returning starters this year and seniors um, and, you know, a lot of pressure on them to win that game last Saturday and they, they didn't get it done. So. We'll see where they go from here. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I could see Texas losing a couple more games, and if that happens, um, I, you know, I think people are going to start calling for maybe a head coaching change. Um, we'll, I, we'll see. Um, looking forward to this week, though. Um, OU is off this week, so I don't know really what I'm going to do this Saturday. <laughs> Um, there is a big game in the SEC, Georgia and Alabama, which has some interesting context around it, being that Nick Saban has tested positive for, for coronavirus and will not be able to coach at the game, most likely. So, uh, And Georgia's been rolling. Georgia's been beating, playing defense and beating teams like Auburn and others. I think it's the first time that Georgia has played at Alabama in, in quite a while, but so kind of a kind of a different feel for a game in the SEC for once, um, a different matchup than what we're used to seeing in the regular season. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's a few of my thoughts. Once again, I'm really thankful that uh, o OU won. It's a lot easier for me to li live in Houston and in the state of Texas when OU wins, uh, wins the Red River rivalry, Red River shootout game. So, uh, so yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll jump into the student segments now. Hello, what is up? It's the Monday Night Football recap segment. This week we had a game that went all the way into overtime with the Saints and the Chargers, and the Saints ended up pulling it out with a 30 to 27 victory. So what do y'all think? What are your thoughts on the game, guys? Um Chargers they they're like without Keenan Allen they should not like score twenty seven points. What quarter did he get injured? He he got injured on the first touchdown of the game, like ten minutes in the first quarter. Saints should not, bro. Everyone on the um Chargers offense is like trash. Like their quarterback's a rookie. Like he's actually pretty good, but like their receivers other than Allen. The one dude played really good. He got two touchdowns. But yeah. that's 
one hit wonder. Like they're gonna do that for one game, but he's not gonna score the rest of the season. Yes, they, yeah, they deserve to get. They deserve to be one and four. Against yeah. the Raiders, didn't the Saints give up like thirty points? Yeah, and that's like unacceptable. The Raiders are just. Actually, no. I'm gonna take that back. Raiders are actually a good team. But guys, the thing is, though, just the Saints. I don't know. It seems like, like they just their defense is just so like bad. Like they've allowed like thirty. Also, Drew. Yeah, I feel like they don't have very good. Drew Brees is also. He had a decent game. He was getting them down the field. Of course, he only had he had an interception that gave them a score. The other team scored, but and. He got one touchdown, but he still he still threw a three hundred yards, which is better than what he's been doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Herbert had a great game, had two hundred sixty something yards, and he had four touchdowns. That's of like- course one to, one to Henry, two to Williams, and then one to Keenan Allen. Justin Herbert in the next three years, I wouldn't be surprised if he made the Pro Bowl. In the next oh. yeah, I don't know. You think like, Chargers are a pretty good team. They have um the 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 running back uh Joshua Kelly, and then they have the other one, David yeah. or something. Oh. If you if you um are the Chargers in this game, it's just like the Heat in the finals. Like you gotta take it. Like Chargers have been a nobody team since like. Ever since LT left, like they're like, no since ever. Yeah, they're like Steelers. <laughs> yeah, they're like the Steelers. Stop Charles. it, Stop it. Oh my gosh. Stop it. Y'all like just being mean at this point. Yeah, that's um, the point. Guys, guys, what do you think about Taysom Hill? He's the guy on the Saints who plays yeah. like every position. He scored. So what happened in this game basically is that the Chargers got off to an early lead. And it was like twenty-one to three, and then the Saints scored like um, seventeen points, and they they tied it up twenty to twenty, and then they both scored again, so it was twenty-seven twenty-seven into overtime. And on that last drive, Taysom Hill came in with a clutch nine-yard run for the touchdown to send it into overtime. These guys that play every position, you know, like. They, they, they're not they're not all focused on one position and all talking about it. They're just like, yeah, that position's fine. Oh, who cares about that one? I, I, I think I did good right there. Okay. Yeah, like Taysom Hill, like he needs to figure out his position, bro. Mm-hmm. Else he's, like, like he's fast. Mm-hmm. Like why doesn't he just play receiver or something, bro? Running back too. No, not running He's back. Like, I don't know what supposed to be like. There's never been another one of him in the NFL, like, ever. Like, it's kind of weird. Just plays one position. Like, stick to a position. Like, start. He's the X factor of the Saints team. That's why they win. Or, that's why they're. Three. That's why they're losing. Yeah. The only reason the Saints are good is because they have a good quarterback and a good receiver. I don't know. They don't have a good quarterback. That's actually, both of those are false, actually, because Michael Thomas is hurt. And their best receiver is Emmanuel Sanders, who's a washed-up veteran, is trash. And Drew Brees is trash. But Kamara is also trash. He's He's not even a top-ten running back. But the thing about the um, 
the Saints, they get the ball in on the goal line. They don't settle for field goals most of the time. Like, their field goals are always, like, 50 yarders, but they always score when they get down in the red zone, which makes them pretty good. I mean, yeah. that makes them good. Like, Kamara, he either has, like, two touchdowns, like, two one-yard runs in, like, 40 yards, or he has, like, no touchdowns in 40 yards. Like, honestly. That's terrible. He's like – He has um about – uh. About 240 yards this season. Guys, the running backs in this game were like non-existent. Like I know. No touchdowns. The, the rushing touchdowns were from Drew Brees and from uh, Taysom Hill. Because like, when early, um, it's more. They, they both teams have two good running backs. Like the Saints have Latavius Murray and Kamara, and then the, um, no. the Chargers have the the Jackson guy, and then they have Joshua Kelly. Like, the Jackson guy. The Jackson, Jackson guy. In my opinion. Is that your opinion? The oh. I, I don't know if you guys would pay attention to this or not, but um, how do you feel about the Chicago Bears benching Trubisky? Uh, uh, Trubisky is a casual. He's he's not good at all. Like he throws he throws six he throws Why like are we talking about the Bears. The person's like three feet away from him, and he throws six yards away from them. Yeah, bro. I, I like anyone can make that throw. Come on. Uh, Five years. If I was a little kid, I could. If I was like two years old, I could just be like, Ugh, and I'd be more guys, guys, who's the better quarterback, Drew Brees or Justin Herbert? Drew Brees. No, I'm talking about this year though. Drew Brees, I feel like has oh, a better. Oh, okay, Justin Herbert. I think for this year it's been Herbert. I mean, what if the Saints? You know how Drew Brees, Brees got injured last year. Drew Brees got injured last year, and they put in Teddy Bridgewater, and he like won all the games. Like, but when he came back, Drew Brees was still doing good. What if they had like, I don't know. What if Drew Brees retired? And they Bridgewater. That would have been interesting. Uh, Bridgewater is uh better than Breeze in my opinion, cause Breeze he just needs to retire honestly. Like he's not playing good. He's like he gets like Tom Brady. Just retire already. No, 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 no. He's not like Tom Brady, cause Tom Brady is still like at like not athletic, but um he has more skill. Guys, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? So. How many wins do you think it'll take for Drew Brees not to retire? Like, do you think he's just not going to – He's just going to take a – like, making it to the playoffs? Because if they lose every other game this season or something like that, they play really bad the rest of the season, he's probably going to retire. Like, but if they make the playoffs, who knows? Michael Collins is like – he's out. I feel like that really took a hit to Brees this year. I mean – Yeah, like, yeah. Some receivers make quarterbacks. Like, you can't tell me that Mahomes doesn't get help with his receivers. You can't tell me that. Yeah, he's pretty good receivers. If you took those away, Mahomes is just as good as Breeze right now. Actually, I think yeah. he'd, be, he'd, he'd be as good as um Watson. They're kind of the same. Just oh, not even close. The thing is, you can see that Deshaun Watson, what he is a battle line, bad receivers, and a pretty bad running back. Whereas the Chiefs, they have all good receivers, 
a pretty good O-line, and they have a pretty good running back, and then their careers are so different. Yeah, like, like a few years just from the O line and the receiving core, like you know, um, Holmes and uh Watson were both in the draft, and they were actually picked quite quite late. Like Mahomes was picked, I think, like eleventh or something, and uh, and Watson was, was picked like twenty. Well, for their skill level currently, and also that Tr- Trubisky was the first guy. Like one of the first guys they got picked. Wait, I have, I have a quick question here. Like, Gosh. guys, what about this? If if you think you see the Chargers, obviously Herbert was doing good right now. But if Burrow was in the same position and he wasn't on the trash Bengals, you think he'd be doing any different? He's doing doing okay. No, no. I think I think the rookie quarterbacks this year are all kind of the same. Like none of them are that much better than the others. You got Tua, Herbert. Yeah, who's gonna be the best quarterback? I don't. Know. It'll take a few. None of them are really standing out because you, you know, like even the best quarterbacks, they usually only explode on the second year, and that's yeah, like early. Like Jackson, Jackson's first year wasn't good, but then his second year, he's throwing like four touchdowns. Like last, this is his third year, so last year is his second year. He was crazy, and Mahomes on his second year was crazy two years ago. Like, like yeah. no rookies are ever good, honestly. I know. So you can't really tell, you know? Honestly, I think if Deshaun Watson had a good old line, mm-hmm. old line is where the football game starts. Mm-hmm. There's no, no, there's no doubt about it. It's the most important position on the field, old line. Because if you can't block, you might as well not even be there. Come on, that's so important. Because, um, for Let's say we were talking about Breeze, right? If he's getting sacked five times a game and he can't run fast, that he's just setting him up for failure. Like Brady last year for the Patriots, his O-line didn't block. O-line is where the football game starts, and that's why Watson's not really successful. Guys, guys, I think we've covered this week five good. What do you guys think on the thoughts of next week's game? It is the Cowboys versus the Cardinals. Like, what's the little oh, pre Jack Prescott. Oh, my God. Jack Prescott's out with a season and the Cowboys. Just the legacy. I don't know. The Cowboys I, might not be as good. No. They have Dalton. I think they have Dalton. Wait, wait, wait. Which state are the Cardinals from again? What? Which state are the Cardinals from? What are you? Cardinals. They're a state team. They don't have a city. I said state. For real though, I got Cardinals winning. Uh, oh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, they're not bad. They're only like three. One game, honestly. They're like three and two, right? Cardinals. I don't know. Who cares? They're the Cardinals. They're three and two. Cardinals might make the playoffs. They're three and two right now. Well, and wait, schedule. I think I think next week's game it it completely relies on um on um. How good Dalton fits into the Cowboys? Cause if he just he he's just not looking good at all. But I feel like the the Cowboys offense has good enough for anyone, even if they're old and washed up, can still do okay and lead their team to a win. No, just like they have Hopkins, the Cardinals. Remember that they have um. Don't they still have Fitz, or did Fitz get traded? Uh, he's he, no, he's still on their team. Yes, yeah, so probably. Fitz, 
Hopkins. And yeah, who else? Who guys, else? Guys, that and that's got to conclude it. We went over eleven minutes. What? Okay. Okay. Bye. Tune in next time for okay. Night Football. Mute. Re to our Western NBA podcast. In this podcast, we'll talk about the Lakers and Heat game six. Jimmy Butler played 45 minutes and only had 12.7 rebounds and eight assists. Bam Adebayo had 25 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists. Gordon Dragic was activated and he's uh, able to play, but like not 100%. He scored five points and five rebounds and two assists. The supporting cast for the Heat played okay, but should have done way better. LeBron James had 28 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists. Anthony Davis came into this as probable after re-aggravating his heel. But he played anyway. So Anthony Davis had 19 points, 15 rebounds, and 3 assists. That was enough to beat the Heat 106 to 93. The Lakers won their 17th championship in franchise history. LeBron James won finals MVP. It's also the fourth championship for LeBron and the first Brandon Davis. So the uh, fourth finals uh, MVP is for LeBron James. One stat, stat that stood real out to me was that like no team had any points in the paint. The reason why the Heat lost this series so that they couldn't stop uh, LeBron James or Anthony Davis. The Heat um, do not have a big man, so because Bam Adebayo is six nine, and then like Robert Covington is like six seven, we saw AD was did to him. Then AD kills Bam on the boards, or Jay Crowder. Uh, the Heat put the Lakers in too many transition opportunities. So like this is where the Heat are like where the Lakers are at the best. So like the uh, he had to average like no more than five turnovers. They most likely did not do that. In the offseason, the Lakers should try to pick up some more shooters, but keep the important people. And some offseason moves for the Heat uh, take a shot at Giannis and basically keep everyone. It was the bubble that made it all that stuff happen. If there was no bubble in the NBA resumed back to how it was uh, was a lot of things would happen been different. Thanks for oh wait, never mind. Okay, so um I don't know how I felt about the heat. Because they were they were mm, how do I say it? Like some people were carrying and then some people were just doing like horrible I mean, Bam carried that game. And Jim Butler did okay, I'd say. Not the best he's ever done, but. Yeah, I was pretty surprised that like, the Heat made the finals at all. Mm, I mean, they were a good young team. It's just, they like, 
they like lost due to injuries and stuff. I yeah. don't know. But there wasn't really no other like that good of a team to play against Lakers in the Eastern. Besides like maybe the Celtics, but they really just have like they don't really have I mean, they have Jason Tatum. Did Kemba Walker play for the, the Celtics? Yes. So, yeah, they have Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward. I don't, yeah. They're a good team, too. It's just, I don't know if they're, like, finals material. I don't yeah. know. And then, for the Lakers, they're just, they're just, uh, I don't know. A that lot of people expected him to go to the fin- them to go to the finals. Because I think, like, the Lakers spent, like, all their salary on this. Like, the entire franchise spent their money to get this good of a team. Yeah. Well, like, the Lakers up, like, like 26 points, like, one time in the game. Yeah. I don't know. So, if they keep Le- LeBron, maybe expensive. And so is AD, so we'll see. And then, I don't know, I think a trade for them to do is, like, involving, like, Kuzma, maybe. I don't know. I I also, um, let's see, in the Western Conference, we also have that all-season trades. I think what would be a good trade is Rudy Gobert to, like, the Clippers. Because they don't really have that good of a big man. And I don't think the Jazz want Rudy Gobert anymore. So they could trade him, like, um, some players on the, from the Clippers to the Utah Jazz. Because yeah. they don't really have that much shooters. Yeah. And I think this is going to be... Uh, Thanks for watching our Western NBA podcast. See you next week. Welcome back to Power Five Five College Football. Um, Here, my my name is Ryan Blackburn, and I'm going to give you a recap over the Georgia-Tennessee game. So, starting at this game, the final score was 44-21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks like it was an easy game for Georgia. But if you look at it really closely, it wasn't. Tennessee owned them in the first – I want to say owned them, but Tennessee was looking deadly in the first half. They scored seven in the first quarter, um, 14 in the second quarter, and Georgia scored seven in the first and ten in the second. So coming, so in halftime, Georgia had a four, was down four points. And Tennessee had all the momentum, but now this is when Georgia's defense stepped up. Georgia's defense has been a thing for stepping up in the second half. And let's just say it was scary after this. They shut out Tennessee's offense both in the third and fourth quarter, not even allowing them to get a field goal. And while Georgia's offense looked a lot better, scoring 13 in the third quarter and 14 in the fourth. Looking at the stats, 
Stetson Bennett had another game where he was a Jake from. He completed 16 out of his 27 passes, 238 yards, um, two touchdowns and no interceptions. Their running looked good. Um, they really did not run with – they run with Milton the most. No, they ran with Zamir White. With, he had 22 attempts with 50 yards and one touchdown. The funny thing is Milton had eight attempts only, and he had 56 yards. I mean, I mean, I think they'll both. I think they'll both have to use them in the game. Looking over Tennessee, Jerry Gattiano looked really good in the first half, but then Tennessee just surrounded him. They shut him out. He only. I mean, he finished with a great game: twenty-three for thirty-six with two hundred fifteen yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. But when you look at their rushing, oh my gosh! What happened? They they could not rush the ball. Their leading rusher had 25 yards. None of their rushes had a touchdown. And their quarterback had negative 40 rushing yards. Like, what is going on? Looking forward, Georgia plays Alabama. That game is going to be amazing. And uh, West Charlie Graff. All right, thank you. So, I'm doing the Texas Longhorns versus Oklahoma Steelers. Now, before I start, on every Texans Longhorns fan mind, they're always mad when they lose to Oklahoma. So let's just start off. The 116th Red River Showdowns in the books, and it did not disappoint anyone except for Longhorns fans. A couple of facts about this game was this was the highest scoring and longest game in the showdowns history. It went to four overtimes. Now for the actual game, Spencer Rattler, the OU quarterback, got benched in the second quarter their backup quarterback, Tanner Mordecai, after a second straight turnover. He had an interception, then fumble. So it wasn't long until Rattler got back in the game in the third quarter. He was 23-35 for 209 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. For the Longhorns, Sam Ellinger absolutely cannot be carrying you. He had four rush touchdowns, and he was doing everything on the running game. The passing game, he just can't do everything. So... Keontae Ingram had another fumble, a costly fumble in the first quarter, which led to an OU score. If he didn't fumble that, the game could have been totally different. So both teams missed a field goal in the third overtime to keep the score tied. Texas field goal attempt got blocked, and Oklahoma just plain out missed it. So for Texas going forward, they need to win big games. Tom Herman can't do it. I don't know if he's going to be the coach. Like, he's not going to get fired this year because this year kind of doesn't count, but maybe you explore coaching options like Urban Meyer or other jobs available. So it seems like they can't. It seems like they only be OU every couple of years. You should win like at least every one to two years. So they should want to beat them more. None of these teams are playing for the playoff this year, but for the Big 12 championship and a bowl game. Texas and OU are on by next week, but Texas plays at home. But Texas hosts Baylor on the 24th at home and. Oklahoma plays at TCU also on the 24th. Texas was down by 21 at one point, but, but scored 21 unanswered points to force overtime. Texas is 15-7 and seven versus Oklahoma since 2000, while Texas leads the all-time series 62-49-5 six, since 1900. Charlie Graff signing off of now Weston Benner. Okay. It's Weston Benner here to report on Clemson versus Miami. This is the 17th meeting of two ACC top 10s. It was poor in all game. Luckily, the game wasn't canceled. 
So the Tigers' defense looked great, keeping an explosive Miami QB, Derek King, to only one touchdown. Miami had 400-plus yards coming into this game, but the, they were shut down hard. Trevor Lawrence threw three touchdowns for 292 yards and still zero interceptions. He lost a fumble, but the thing to focus on is that he's thrown more than 300 passes without an interception. Travis Etienne also looked great, rushing for 149 yards for two touchdowns. And Trevor Lawrence took it himself to notch one more touchdown for Clemson. Miami played a little bit sloppy, and I'm only saying this because their QB is normally incredible. King had two interceptions, with Miami having three total, and with only 12-28 completions. 121 yards isn't bad, but he's had 857 yards just this season alone. A star of Miami was Bubba Bolden, who blocked two field goals and forced a fumble. I think that Miami hasn't really faced a solid defense yet, so this was a learning experience for them. And I think that Clemson had an opportunity to face a very dynamic QB similar to what they would face if they went up against Georgia or Alabama. Miami plays Pittsburgh next game, and Pitt is doing great, so that's going to be a great game. And Clemson plays Georgia Tech on the 17th. It's not the Georgia. I think Clemson could practice some of their riskier plays out on Georgia Tech. That's all. Weston Benner. All right. What are you guys' revised uh, top four picks? Um. Okay, so I don't know. How do I do this? Definitely Georgia. I think – Four, oh, gosh, huh? Number four is probably gonna be like. Okay, let's just. I'm gonna say number one's Clemson because they're just doing amazing. Number yeah. two's my. I, it's new this week. Ohio State. I think they're gonna. Win Ohio State at number two. They they're gonna go undefeated. Yeah. I think Alabama, since Nick Saban has COVID, I, I feel like that's a big difference in this week's game versus Georgia. And number four, I think I have Notre Dame now. Charlie, you cannot put Ohio State at number two when they haven't played a game yet while you're putting Georgia, a team that just beat a good Tennessee team, not even in it. Oh, I, I mean, I put Georgia in number Notre Dame had three fumbles against Florida State. I don't know about Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's going to get smacked by Clemson. So yeah, I agree with you. I just, this, mine's Clemson, Alabama. Mine's Clemson. But I think the real question is, whoever wins the Alabama-Georgia game goes to number one. I don't think Georgia's going to stay in it if they lose to Alabama. Well, no, if they lose to Alabama, they'll probably drop to number, like, four or five. Not, yeah. I think, I think well, uh, either, whoever they always play each other twice, usually. Oklahoma State No, they'll, they'll play once because they usually don't play in the regular season. No, but, yeah, but, no, they may play twice because of the – yeah, yeah. Championship. I'm thinking. Yeah, no, they could play like three times if they make the four. SEC championship and then Alabama's one and Georgia's four. Or, yeah. Probably. I'm thinking number four is going to be either Oklahoma State or Ohio State. I think it's going to be Ohio State. Like, Oklahoma State looks good, but they're just not Justin Fields level. But, oh, yeah, but Ohio State has but not the Ohio State plays, you can't really rank them. Because so, their only top matchup is against Penn State. Exactly. And then Michigan, it's not like Michigan's that good. This no. really the best game this week, everyone knows. It's Alabama Georgia. Look, you guys My- I think that game could I don't know. I feel like Najee Harris has to have a great game. He has to have at least three touchdowns. Just, I feel like that, this guy, you guys have to remember this guy could have been in the NFL. He would have been he would have been a first or second round pick. Yeah, definitely. He stayed. But I think Najee Harris has half a great game. I think both running games for both teams is huge. 
And I think I don't know. I want to see how Steve Sarkeesian is going to coach Alabama because they're without Nick Saban this week. That's weird. We never see Alabama without Nick Saban. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's Nick Saban's off um, coordinators. Nick Saban always has good coordinators. Is a thing. Like Kirby Smart was one of his coordinators at one point. I mean, I just think Alabama's going to win by probably a touchdown or 10 points. I don't think they're going to blow them out. Oh, just the thing is, Alabama's offense is so good. Najee Harris, Matt Jones, Jalen Weddle, and Devontae Smith will play. Oh, yeah, Jalen Waddle, dude, Weddle. Yeah, that's Matt Jones is really good. I was not expecting him to be that good. I was expecting him to be good, but not elite, like he's playing. Yeah, but that's our playoff predictions. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Hello, and welcome to the Shot Clock, the NBA recap podcast segment. Uh, I'm here with Edward, Abdul, and Ali. And today we're going to be going over a full recap of the NBA Finals, what you need to know, uh, who ends up winning, stats, MVPs, everything. Uh, Edward, do you want to start? Yeah, so basically the Finals started off with um, LeBron and the Lakers taking game one and two. It wasn't even close. And for me me personally, I thought it would be a sweep, but like Jimmy Butler like went crazy in game four, I mean game three with a – 40-point triple-double, one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best finals performances in history. And then, um, like, LeBron took it in. LeBron and AD took it again in game four. Game five, it was close. Like, this was kind of controversial because, like, they were up by one. And then, like, LeBron drove to the rim, and he decided to pass it. Like, a lot of people thought, oh, he shouldn't have passed it there. He should have shot it. But I think it was the right decision because, like, he – he was guarded by four people, and Danny Green, who was known as the sharpshooter, was wide open at the three-point line. So, but he just happened to miss it, and then Marquise Morris just threw the ball away, and then yeah, and then. But in Game Six, like the Lakers just got up to like about almost a thirty-point lead at halftime, and then they never looked back, and then they took the championship. Yeah, like I've said before, I feel like the Lakers are so momentum-based, right? Like, when they get started, they are not stopping, and they're just going to keep scoring. They're going to keep running you, keep running you, keep running away with it, keep keep messing you up. Once they once they get going, when LeBron and Anthony Davis get set up, it's just there's, there's nothing you can—there's nobody in the NBA that can stop them right now, and this finals performance has definitely shown that. But I'm proud of the Heat because— they were the on-dung dogs, and also they took this to, uh, to sit to six with two of their best players out, but one coming back in like game three or game four. But their second player, Gordon Georgia, he came back in game six, and he was not fully recovered. So I also think that's that's why they lost. But oh, they yeah. did good. Did he? Did he? Um. Even though they did lose, yeah, they took it to six when a couple when everybody didn't when nobody expected them to go that far. They surprised us all this year, and I really hope they can really turn up the intensity next year and uh, really fire back and maybe maybe win one. I don't think it's gonna happen though. But everybody talks about how oh the East is so much less competitive than the West. I mean, that's kind of true, but the East next year is gonna be pretty scary. Because they have the Heat, who just came back from a finals run, who are going to be more experienced. 
and I'm I'm pretty sure that Pat Riley is going to make some moves to like you know another star or get more like depth around Jimmy Butler. And there's the Celtics with the like three big three of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker. And then there's the champions of two years ago, the Raptors. And then there's the Nets with Durant and Kyrie. And then there's the Sixers with Ben Simmons and Joel. So they have, there's a, they're actually kind of, like the East is kind of pretty top heavy, but like the tanking teams are pretty bad. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like the East the East is gonna be pretty strong, man. But they got but they got the but they got the Lakers and the uh and the Warriors that are gonna be pretty good next year. So maybe there's still some competition. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like the West, the West has always been good. The Pacific Division, like I've said in my previous podcast, is gonna be nuts. With the three, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the three top contenders in the West are both from the same, are all three from the same division: the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Warriors. Because the Warriors, I mean, they're gonna be nuts next year. And another reason why the Lakers won because how much. Points LeBron James average. He almost averaged a triple double, just shy, just one sh- assist shy of like averaging a triple double throughout the whole finals. He averaged 20, 30 points a game and 12 rebounds. That's nuts. Yeah, I feel like LeBron has kind of made himself into like an incredible support supporting uh, player that can really take over if he has to. Right, he's, yeah. he's getting tons of assists. Uh, he's he's finding the open man better than almost anybody. Uh, letting and letting kind of kind of letting Anthony Davis uh, take the take the driver's seat when uh, in terms of points. I think this is LeBron's first season where where somebody other than him has had the highest po- has had the highest average on on his team. So I feel like yeah. he's kind of transitioning into more in his as he's getting older. I feel like he's kind of transitioning into more of a. Uh, a more of a passive uh, strategy. Not to say it isn't working, because obviously it is. It's just not the LeBron that we saw back in uh, 2010, 2011, you know? Yeah. And then, like, with the almost averaging a triple close, a 30-point triple-double in the finals, he um, took took home the finals MVP award, make it his fourth finals MVP with his four championships. So, yeah, every time he won, he got a finals MVP. Wow. And I, I thought Anthony Davis should want it because uh, last year, like uh, LeBron James, almost had the same teammates. They they didn't even make the final, but this year they got Anthony Davis and they won the NBA finals. The thing is, last year is that um, like LeBron was about surrounded by a bunch of young players. Like, and also on Christmas Day, LeBron got injured against the Lakers. And like he sat out for a bunch of like a lot of the season. I think the Lakers were just trying to rest him for next year because they knew they weren't going to be competitive with their like young core with like Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, who weren't as good as they were last last year as they are like this year. So um, and then they flipped all of those, turned them into a, like a superstar in Anthony Davis, and then that's like, yes, he did have a good impact, but a 30 point trip almost a 30 point triple double in the finals that is pretty worthy of finals mvp in my opinion yeah 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 i feel like lebron was kind of in command of the court right knew where everybody yeah. was he he knew where everybody was supposed to go he he's, he he plays basketball like he's playing chess you think you you think you you think um you know where he's going to go you think you know you have him 
but you don't. He's going to pull out something, sneak around the basket, or find the open man that nobody knew was there except for him. It's it's crazy. It's, it's so fun to watch. Well, um, LeBron, so in my opinion, LeBron is just like Giannis, who was the MVP, with better passing vision, better shooting, and my and better like better and like better teammates too. Yeah, Giannis should shouldn't want MVP. But I mean, now that now that people know, like if uh, if they become the uh, first seed and they get eliminated in the second round, now people's not gonna vote for Giannis because they go they do they're gonna do well in the regular season, but they're not gonna do well in the playoffs. Yeah. So, um, but Lakers, the Lakers, I think they have a dynasty in the making. I think they can go back to back, if not have a three P. Because this team, Davis is only like twenty six or something like that, twenty seven, and he is in his prime. Like he'll be in his prime for the next three years, like to be top of his prime. And LeBron has been he he never ages. Like he'll be good for the next five years, and not not superstar. I think he'll decline a bit, like Tom Brady did in the NFL. But he's still going. That, that's inevitable. Yeah, but yeah, and then uh, but the problem is with the Lakers is that like their supporting cast of LeBron, they were all pre- they're all pretty old, and then I don't know they they're gonna be aging, and I don't think they're gonna be as good and imp- good and impactful next year. But I think Kuzma doesn't fit the lineup at all, and I think they should trade him. Mm. Uh, anything else we need to go over before we end off this segment? Oh yeah. Davis, he had um. So, well, I don't know actually. I think by the end of LeBron's career, I think he's going to be the goat. You do. Yes. Think he's going to surpass everybody. You think he's going to think he's going to end up winning this? I think end, end up taking the goat. Yeah, because first of all, I think okay. So this is not like okay. So his playing career, like he already has four MVP, four four championships, like. So, um, he I think he's he's like he never ages. So I think he's going to be in the league for a long, a lot, a lot more time and get at least two championships more. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he could, he could up, he could end up being the goat if he takes this and like and uses it at like a slow burn for the next five years or so, just kind of racking up stats, kind of padding his career, um, making it more enticing to see. And if he if he if he kind of transitions into the supporting role and keeps keeps doing well with assists, keeps doing well with with his insane passing game, I think there's an argument there. I think yeah, he has he has a chance. Jordan was on like Jordan was like pretty much only dominant in the '90s. He was good in the '80s. Like, don't get me wrong, but LeBron, on the other hand, he's been dominant through the 2000s, all the 2010s, and that he's already started off the 2020s with the championship. So. I mean, but but then Michael Jordan have been dominant throughout his whole career since the beginning and the end. That's true, but like not when he was on the Wizards. I mean, he wasn't all star, yeah, but like he wasn't crazy good. I don't know, but I think LeBron. I think like let's say he becomes a free agent and he doesn't want to stay in LA. I think he could take another team to the championship. I don't know. Because he's just, and I think he's going to win the scoring title, too. I think he's going to pass up Kareem because he averages about 20 points per game. And if he does that for the next two seasons, he'll easily take up Carl Malone uh, second. 
and then if he does, he keeps racking up the stats like Ryan said, then he'll. Oh, I think he'll pass Kareem. I don't think he could take a team by himself to the to a ring. Yeah, like not anymore. I don't think like he completely carried the team. Well, not not when they won three one, but I mean he was pretty like he was like the biggest part. He took up like to the finals like uh, I think I want to say like four years in a row with like a subpar supporting cast of the Cavs. So he, I don't think he's gonna be able to do that anymore late like with the Lakers if they start to get bad. But like I think he'll but need he a second. He doesn't second. have to. He doesn't have to anymore. He has Anthony. Yeah, Davis. yeah. He has a good supporting cast now. He's fine. Yeah, he doesn't have to carry anybody. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think with that, uh, we are going to sign off on the shot clock. Uh, this was a fun segment. Uh, got some opinions in there. Uh, got some facts in there. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's been. It was a, It was fun. Uh, thank you and goodbye. Hello, hello. I'm Leor Futa, and today, I'm today we'll be talking about the game between England and Belgium. I'm also joined here by Christian and Kishira. Christian, could you start start me off with the PK, which was really, really the way that the, can you tell me how the PK was caused and the and how. Luke, and how do you think Lukaka tricked? Tri- how do you think Lukaka did on this PK, scoring his scoring his fifty third international goal? So Lukaka was running with the ball, and then he he went inside the box to shoot right when he was about to shoot Eric Dyer. Sly tackled him, and the referee said it was a penalty with a late reaction. And then Lukaku, they gave the penalty to Lukaku, so he could score, and he did on the late. After that, Belgium was all over. Belgium was all over England. In fact, they had a goal that was offside in the first few minutes. Belgium went all over England in the first, I'd say, half. And then, and then, and then around the 40. Around some good time, we see another goal. We see a goal by Marcus Rashford, a very a young, a young, a young striker. He has a lot of potential. This this striker, he scored it probably around right before halftime, scoring a beautiful goal. He shot it right to the top. Top right corner, keeper goes left, and the keeper doesn't have a chance. I think Marcus has earned this goal. And then after that, um, Belgium gets another good, some another good chances. 
another very good chance. Mr. Bruyne playing in uh, number 11. Straight into the box. But that play right there, he the keeper came at him, blo blocking his way to goal. Perfect execution from the keeper. And end all and ending off the keeper. The keepers the keeper made him shoot it and it went right past the goal. No goal. And now I'm going to Kashira to explain a beautiful goal in the third goal from England. Mason did a great job with the third goal. He stole the ball from the pass. He stole the pass. He deflected the ball. Took it to the right there. Not jump that um, sure. Sure, you're being a little you're getting a little bit glitchy you can't hear you that good so would you like me to explain it sure yeah i, I guess all right so what kashira was trying to say is a so basically what happens is cross from England, they start doing it right past Marcus Rashford. Number 10 gets it, right? Defender comes. Uh, number 10 takes a shot, right? Deflects off the foot. And no one thinks that this is, this is like, this is one of those goals you say, how did this happen? It literally, it looks like it's about to go on the top of the goal, but instead it hits the bottom of the crossbar. And it goes straight into that top in that bottom left corner, scoring a beautiful goal. I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen that. Have you guys ever seen a goal like that? No. No, me neither. I think that goal may have won it a spot in the best goals for this year. And they do have prizes for that. All right, guys. Um, also, um, England hasn't been defeated. England hasn't lost since the World Cup. That's very big. You gotta admit. Because, do you think England? All right, guys. Let's talk a little bit World Cup-wise. It's gonna happen in two years from now. Cause just gonna this year. The next World Cup's a little bit weird because it's happening in the winter. So do you think England, which the state that they're in, uh, not winning since the last, not losing since the last World Cup, do you think that they will win the World Cup and get England their very second World Cup? I think, I think football's coming home. And by the way, Guys, uh, just so you guys, just for those viewers that don't know what football is and all, basically, in America, 
We call it soccer. But all, all around the world, everybody else calls it football. But anyways, because uh, you're a Christian, can I get your opinion on who's going to win the World Cup? France won it last year, and that was the powerhouse of the World Cup. Um, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted France to win after I saw, after Brazil got eliminated. I was like, this is the team that I want to see go to the World Cup. The, they really didn't. You know, I think I see that same stuff in England. I think England's going to win the World Cup next year. What do y'all think? Maybe they do have a good chance. Mm. Um, all right, guys. I think we should get... Uh, let's talk a little bit about the World Cup a little bit more. Do you think the champions of the World Cup right now, France... It's gonna is gonna make history and win a World Cup two times in a row because that's never been done. Like Germany's a strong team and they didn't make it past the group stages. France had an extremely good lineup and. They had the second teenager score a goal in the World Cup, which is very big. And um, this, this, uh, guys, what, what do you guys think about Belgium? No, because I didn't see Eden Hazard on the field when I when I saw the game. I didn't see him at all. I don't think he was in the starting lineup. What do you think about that? Maybe he's injured. Hmm. And then, well, anyways, guys, what do you? I I think we should end the. I think we're gonna end it here, folks. Today, I'm Leor, and I'm signing out. This is Soccer Champions. I'm Caleb. I'm Ethan Pagari. And I'm Jake Pearson. And we are the Lunchers. Uh, this week, we are going to be recording over the Astros versus Athletic Series. And start with game one. Now, game one, the final score was 10 to 5 Astros. And already, that final score can tell you that the Astros came to hit, which is you know, a trend, you know, you can see maybe like every once in a while for the Astros, especially this season. I feel like they have really haven't been, you know, hitting as much as they could. But, you know, nice to see uh, the final score be that big. So the first inning, you know, nothing really happens the first inning. But Carlos Correa, he did hit a home run, right? So I think that was pretty good. Like, I feel like... um. I think that's just like, you know, a thing like Carlos Correa and um, 
Altuve. They actually hit like pretty well this series, which you know they don't really do that much. The Astros just haven't really been hitting this whole season, really. Yeah. And um, yeah. So nice to see you know Carlos Correa and you know Altuve. Yeah. Bregman even did pretty good this series, so. Yeah, you know. All right, ten to five. Yeah, Athletics. Um, I mean, they're they're hitting. It was uh, you know, pretty good. All right, uh, that you know, we just had you know high better hitting. Like, I feel like you know that they're pitching. You know, because we kind of uh, I think the yeah their pitching was definitely like um we we have good pitchers, um. But you know, so but I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really like. We aren't doing that best this whole season, but we made it to the playoffs and we won this series. So I guess we're doing fine. Yeah, that's true. All right. So what about game two? Anyone have any thoughts on game two before? No. All right, no. Yeah, the Astros and oh. the Astros won game two. It was five to two. Um, and George Springer hit two homers, and he's and um, they beat beating the Oakland um five to two on Tuesday to take their. To our lead in the AL division series. Yeah, George George Springer has been doing pretty good batting this season in the series. Yeah, George Springer, you know, he, he's pretty consistent. I feel like so. Yeah, he's yeah he's consistent. Yeah, so game two, you know, pretty low scoring, I guess, compared to all the other games and came out with the dub. So we're up on the series 2 0. Just need win one more, right? So, you know, looking pretty good right now. Um, yeah, so uh, what about game three? Okay, uh, game three, the Athletics won nine to seven. Now this one, Athletics had like five solo home runs or something like that. Or they had like five home runs. And the Astros, they might have had like two or three. But, you know, Athletics, they, they definitely came to play. I feel like this game, this game was probably, you know, their best in the series. And it kind of showed their potential. So, yeah. Those... Uh, those five home runs, I think two were like on the like I don't know. Two were definitely like uh or no, at least one was in the first inning. I think yeah, yeah. Okay, so one was in the first inning, and then the Astros, you know, they came back, hit another one on the uh bottom first inning. Or yeah. They hit another one bottom first inning. So we tied again. 
And now they do come back. They get the 2-1 lead. And, you know, they don't really – it, it kind of just was like kind of a back-and-forth game until, like, the final innings. And then they just came up. It was 8-7. They just got another one out of that, 9-7. Yeah. So it didn't really help. They had five solo home runs. Or the four, uh, five, like five homers. That it definitely did not help. But, you know, I just tried. You know, can't really do anything about that. Yeah. Okay, so for game four, the final score was six on for the A's and 11 for the Astros. So in the first and second inning, we didn't score, but the A's scored three points. And then we just came back. And we got 11 points. I think, like, George and Brantley did really good in hitting. Brantley got, like, two home runs, I think. Yeah. yeah George, Springer got, uh, George Springer and I think Altuve got a home run again. Yeah, I know. They, they, they got home runs, too. So, yeah. It, course, you know, or after you know, saw George Springer hit that ball, it was like, you could just tell it the home run. Yeah. Yeah. Altuve did pretty good this series. Or fine. Yeah. But George and Brantley, they've just been hitting pretty good this season. Inconsistent. Yeah, I, I think like the thing the Astros are kind of lacking right now is just consistency. Like, they, they've been lacking that this season. Like, well, only, like, a few players are really consistent. But, like, other than that, you know, yeah. they hit, like, two homers. And then, you know, next game, they, they won't, like, be able to, like, hit a ball. So, yeah, that's definitely, like, hopefully, you know, I realize that. But, um, yeah, this game was definitely good, you know. Very good game comeback. Yeah, this this game was really good. Yeah. So um, I just want to add one thing for uh, game three. I feel like um, I forgot to mention this. But I feel like the Astros, like they they didn't really like sub out their pitchers. You know, I feel like as fast as they could because um, I get it because they're trying to like save their pitchers and stuff. Just in case, like, they need him. But, um, you know, he got, like, four like four homers. I think about, like, you know, he stayed into, like, the sixth inning. So, you know, he probably should have been taken out a little sooner than that. Uh, I think that's what, you know, it probably wouldn't have been the same game if, like, yeah, they were able to advance to the AL championship. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, yeah, at least they can advance, so can't really complain. All right, we're gonna end it here. Uh, thank you for listening to the Lone Strawberries. Good morning, our Patriots community. Today, we are here with Eli and Madison and Michaela. This is Patriots Takeover, and we are each here to recap on the Kansas City Chiefs, Houston, Texas, and other news and sports.
Coming to you now is Michaela Williams on the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Michaela Williams with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 4-1 with a shocking loss this week against the Raiders. The Raiders, with a highlight of the game, Derek Carr's pass to Ruggs III with the catch over Rayshad Fenton was incredible. To get up that high and bring it down, getting yards up the field was stunning. As a running back, Tyreek Hill is pretty good with catching the ball. I feel like he can play both positions as a running back and a wide receiver. Being as fast as he is already can help the Chiefs get yards closer to the end zone. Mahomes looked good in the first quarter with the pass to Kelsey, who ran a good run upfield, then Mahomes running into the end zone getting an easy touchdown, putting points on the board. With 47 seconds left in the first quarter, Carr threw an interception with a return from by Sean Breland on the Chiefs was astonishing. I'm pretty sure Breland is energized for his return on the field. Tyreek Hill's nickname should be flashed by how fast he ran for the touchdown starting the second quarter off with a bang. Derek Carr, with the long 59-yard toss to Nelson Angelor, with the big play of the game, was one great pass to see. It was mind-blowing. Tyreek Hill, with the over-the-shoulder catch, is a highlight maker catching Mahomes' passes as a running back. The Chiefs and Raiders finished with a final score of 40-32. to if you want to see the next Chiefs game, they play the Buffalo Bills on Monday the 19th at 4 o'clock p.m. This is going to be a good one. Eli, what can you say about this week's news? Well, I don't really follow the Chiefs much, but I do know that they had, they're had they not doing too hot. Oh, wait. Are they or not? I mean, they lost their first game. Yeah, I kind of heard about that. They did win the Super Bowl last year, but I feel like it's going to be two new teams in there this time. Yeah, man, I got two different teams this year. Like, Seattle's doing really good. Yeah, they're 5-0. They, I think they might make the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. The last Super Bowl I remember like going to with my family was the Seattle game with the Texans. Y'all went like, to Seattle? Um, no, we watched it on a TV, but we went out to another person's house instead of just watching it at home and calling each other. Huh. Well, I talked about the Texans, who are now 1-4 and four and is third in the AFC South. I just want to first off congratulate the Houston Texans on their first win of the season, but Bill O'Brien getting fired was the best highlight. It took them a very long time to figure out why they have been losing so much. Like, just look at how much fun the Texans are having now. The team's energy always starts with the head coach. This was the type of Texans offense that we wanted to see. Aside from the two interceptions, they had a pretty good game on Sunday. I think there's still a chance that they could recover their season now that Bill is gone. Hopefully the Texans' new head coach, Romeo Cornell, puts them back in place so that we don't see a lot of losses this year. And maybe they'll make it to the Super Bowl for the first time. I feel like the Texans stopped the ship from sinking, but they still got a bunch of holes. I'm still mad about losing Hopkins. The Texans aren't out of the season yet. They're just two games behind the first place in the AFC South. If you want to see another Texans game, they play on Sunday the 18th at 12 against the Titans. And even though the Patriots didn't play this week due to reports of positive COVID cases, their next game has been rescheduled to Sunday the 18th at 12 against the Broncos. How do you guys feel about that game? We'll go. Um, I think it might go good. I really, maybe I hope Cam Newton is back. Um, and that he gets to play. Yeah, maybe they'll. Broncos haven't been doing too hot, but they never really do. 
So I don't see this really going any way towards us losing. Yeah. Texas might actually win this game. Patriots. Take over and see you next week. Good morning. Welcome to the Global Homo Soccer. And today we're going to be talking about the past MLS games that occurred in the past week. And I would be talking about Wolves versus Fulham. The score was 1-0. It was a very interesting game because I'm pretty sure Wolves could have scored a lot more goals. They had a lot more goals on target. And out of all 45 minutes in each half, Wolves was more at, at their side of the field. They were never defending. And if they were defending, uh, Fulham didn't have the opportunity to shoot or take any shots on target. And Wolves had some good counterattacks, and but the goalie from Fulham was actually pretty good. And Raul Jimenez had some amazing shots towards the goal, but then again, the goalie from Fulham had blocked it. And in the future, I actually think that Wolves is going to win again because Fulham, as far as I thought, they were not the best team. They were just doing an okay job, and Wolves wasn't actually playing at 100%. I felt like they were playing at a 60%. I didn't feel like they were playing so good. But if they had played at 100%, for sure, they would have easily scored like three to four more goals on Fulham because Fulham is not like a really powerful team as far as, far as what I saw in that game. I'm not basing it on other games. I'm basing it on this game. And yeah, uh, that's it for me, and I'll pass it down to Brandon. Hey, guys, I'm doing La Galaxia versus San Jose, which I feel sorry for Galaxy because zero and San Jose got four. That's pretty sad. San Jose has, of course, better scores, like 19 shots, 10 shots on target, and they had overall 62 possession. Mm-hmm. And uh, La Galaxy got eight shots, three on target, and only 38% possession. And they had more fouls, which was 10. And San Jose got nine. Two yellow cards for Galaxy. Zero fourth zero red cards for both teams somehow. The outside only one for San Jose. It was pretty good battle. I mean, not for Galaxy, of course, because they had zero, which is kind of sad. But you never know. Next time they might be better and they might clutch it up. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna pass it to my friend Gerdo. Okay, um, we're talking about Orlando City versus uh, New York City. Um, so, that was a really interesting game. Um, so, we saw many opportunities for more than one-to-one goals. We saw, so early on, we saw a yellow card for each team at minute three to Antonio Carlos for Orlando City. And another yellow card for New York City for Alexander Rank. Then we saw many of trying. Um, we saw Orlando City having possession early on, 
there. Keep shooting the target to try to score, but uh, finally, a minute 18, Christopher Mueller got the header in. He scored goal, made it 1 0. Then we saw another yellow card. Oh, we saw, then we saw a minute 20 that um, they scored a corner kick, but it was an offside, so they didn't count for them. So then it went 2 0. Then right before half, we had it tied up for New York City for Kayton Parks. Then we saw, we saw um, after halftime, think of another five minutes, um, we saw another yellow card for New York City for Anton Tinner home. Then we saw, I saw, I think Orlando did really good here. We I saw many opportunities for them to score, but um, um, the goalie did really good um, blocking some of them, and then some of them were really close on the target, so which helped them score. But I think Orlando could have taken this home uh, if some of if the like you know they maybe scored a goal, like if they got better opportunities in them, because I think they could have won the one against them. But I mean, New York. City isn't a bad team either, so they did also pretty good against them. I saw, I think they did better on in second half than the day they did on. I think on first half, I think Orlando took it over in the first half, but then we saw a New York City coming back on the second half. So I think they really had a lot of shots. Um, I think. Maybe uh, New York had more possession of the ball, but then when Orlando had possession of the ball, they did more shots. I think they still had less because they had less possession, but when they had the possession, there were powerful shots, which was really, really close for them. I mean, they ended up scoring one, 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 no. Good game against each other. They're a bad team. That's why it's a good game for them. And they, I don't think, I think I saw like a lot of yellow cards in the first half, which is in like early minutes. In like really weird for us to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I think they were like around the same pass accuracy. They're like, like around 80%-ish. Then they really had, um, passes for each other. You know, we saw Orlando's players, good centers to for some headers in there. You know, we saw a header goal. You know, it was a really good game. It was really, you know, I think it was really good for both teams. I guess they didn't lose. I mean, I think it was a fair game for each other. They um, didn't get like, like four to zero or five or like they didn't have big lead on each other. Uh, like maybe like Orlando winning like three one or three zero. That's like you know, I think these teams are really balanced against each other. Or like they're not well overpowered, which means like they can't like score like a seven to one uh, advantage to someone. I think they had like really good players and it's like well balanced the game. You know. They're gonna have extremely, extremely good type of player. 
like we see on like some of the teams. But I think this was a really good encounter against each other. We see that uh, they had a lot of passes. I think, yeah, New York City definitely had a lot more fouls, in my opinion. They had way more. I mean, none of them were like more like more than yellow cards because they had like three each. But I think that they had way more fouls than that. Also, I think um, Orlando had like four offsides, which really sucked. Which one of them didn't count their goal because you know it was offside. And but but I think the um, New York um, New York City. Um, no, I think the also the Orlando had Orlando goalkeeper was like the MVP of the game because you know I said that uh, or and just and see. NYC had uh, more possession of the ball, which gave them more opportunities to like shoot. Maybe they weren't great shots, but they at least shot more than Orlando did. So I think the goalie did really good, like making them not score against them. So I think it was a fair, well played, uh, well played in the game, and I think they each deserve the point. So yeah, thank you. From listening to the global home of soccer. All right, that's our show for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Um, sorry if you heard some uh, audio issues during during the pod this week. We're still using some laptops, and um, I was actually on a different uh, laptop and microphone setup than I usually am. So uh, thank you guys for your patience, and thank you for listening. Please remember to hit the like and follow button next to wherever you are listening to the podcast, and we'll see you next week.